The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Break, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, it is a glorious Wednesday. Jay Sandoz, Keith Break, and Hello. as promised last, uh, was it Monday? I guess Monday, a couple days ago. Yeah, that sounds right. I said we would get Dr. Richard Sander to answer your Inside the Dome questions. We would get John Roberts of the Atlantic Sun, Wax Sun, whatever you want to call it. Although currently not with him anymore, but was very integral in the bringing Sun. the F C S football to the Atlantic Sun, and now the dream of the A Sun and the WAC. Which I did read a comment from the WAC conference commissioner the other day, where he actually said he was unaware that uh, that they, they were going in cahoots to go FBS. Not that he was opposed to it, but apparently some of this was news to him. Does that shock you? No. Didn't no, it does not. Didn't shock me either. Yeah, I think we know that the call is coming from inside the house, and the house is. Are they still in Macon? Yes, they still are. In Macon. They're still in Macon. Yeah, the no call is in Macon, but they're in Macon. Yeah, the call is coming from inside the house in Macon, and it's making some interesting PR waves. They actually, which is interesting too, because they moved a couple of the media type folks to Atlanta, and they've got an office outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so their home office is still And now Macon. the school that's in suburban Atlanta is also leaving. Yeah, so Macon doesn't have a team that's in the league. And, yes, that was my point. The suburban Kennesaw State team isn't there anymore either. So, yeah, I, I, it's very This is and, – and we'll talk to John uh, about some of this. But uh, uh, the more that I process this – and I said this to someone last night. This is someone willing stability into existence for their conference is what this is. They are trying to project stability and say we have a vision so that people don't scatter to the winds. Uh because there are probably there are four schools in the A Sun, right? There's what, four? Right? Eastern Kentucky, Austin P, North Alabama, and Central Arkansas. Am I missing anybody that's playing football? I don't think I am. So there's those four that are going to be in the A Sun and they don't have anywhere to go. And they're all looking for an exit. And we know Eastern Kentucky wants to go to FBS. Austin P says it wants to be an FBS by 2025. Central Arkansas has expressed a desire for FBS before. Haven't heard much from Florence, Alabama and, and UNA. But all of those schools have reasons to say this might not be our long-term home. And so if you are projecting, hey, we are looking at a long-term vision that puts us at the highest level of college football above all of these schools that we're having a difficult time getting a leg up on, then suddenly you offer a reason to stay. I think a little confusion is obviously the ASUN and the WAC are looking at things to be viable and good for Mm -hmm. them for the now. But it's also, and we're going to talk to, to again, both sides of the, the fence here. We'll talk to, to John Roberts for sort of defending the A-Sun and the WAC and, and sort of what they're doing and, and how can they do it. And we're going to talk to Dr. Richard Sanders specifically about ETSU. Maybe we'll get into Southern Conference or some other stuff. That being said, this 
strikes me as as fan to read into well this is like a thousand percent happening like that i get the gist from a lot of the sure. twitter fan base for sure for etsu that's foregone conclusion when why 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 is i don't i don't think and again both <laughs> those gentlemen have more insight than i do on this so i'm going to lean on them and we're going to get to that in just a second but i mm-hmm. uh, i don't think it's as cut and dry as it is because there's obviously a lot of things well there's two separate things for football does ncaa recognize him as an fbs conference uh, and and, do, and, and do they get the yeah we'll, we'll talk right? to john about that in right. particular because he makes it sound pretty straightforward and i would counter that well why has nobody done it yet uh, if that's the case but the the other side of it um like, like you said this is not a foregone conclusion because currently there is a moratorium on single sport conferences which is specifically what the thamel report references for this idea is this a this is a single sport football conference the NCAA currently doesn't allow those that's why you're seeing instead of the OVC and the Big South create a new championship because the Big South has two uh, full football playing members, Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb, and Robert Morris and Bryant are affiliates because they left the NEC because they wanted more scholarships in their football programs, which is going to take some time, as we saw with Robert Morris this year. But um, the reason you're not seeing them just form a new overarching conference like the Missouri Valley Football Conference is because the NCAA is not allowing that right now. So it has to be a combined Big South OVC co-branded effort uh, to to pool conferences together to create automatic bids um, because a new conference like the one that this report is talking about is currently not allowed under NCAA rules. Well, and even if it's the second part of that I'm going to get to, even if the NCAA says you could do it, the biggest reason to do it is to share the revenue profit sharing Correct. of the college football playoff, which yes. has its own entity, which may not recognize it. So what would be the point? And we're going to ask this. What would be the point if you got to play FBS and you do get a pull of some FBS money? I get that. But you don't get any of the college football playoff money. Why? Yeah, I mean, you might be able to negotiate bold tie-ins. You might be able to negotiate a slightly better TV deal, but you're still going to be deeply under-resourced compared to your peers. If Yes, because the Sun Belt and App State and George Southern and all of them are going to share in that CFP money, and that's going to put all the schools. So that's got to be talked about, too. Anyways, so talk talking to John Roberts, talking to Dr. Richard Sander. You people are tired of hearing from us. You will. We're going to get to these interviews. We're going to talk to those guys. We will have a little bit of fun. we got a little special say what we're going to do. And for those basketball lovers, I know a lot of you screaming, we've got, you know, it's Wednesday, so we have a men's game against Queens, women's on the road, Charleston Southern, the Battle of the Bucks. We're going to get to all this football stuff today and say what today. Tomorrow we will recap fully the men's and women's games played today, which is Wednesday when we're recording this, in case you hear this on another day. We are going to break down both those men's and women's games, and we're going to preview Saturday's men's and women's games for you. So we will be all hoops all the time. I'm even going to talk a little Southern Conference men's and women's non-conference, uh, a little bit of a wrap-up thing I've been working on. Um, if there's time, a portal watch, I don't know. But we're definitely talking basketball a lot tomorrow, if not 100% of the show. So for the basketball fans, we're not leaving you out. We will talk hoops. It will be tomorrow. We will not forget that there are games going on today. But this is kind of the here, the now. Twitter fans have spoken. We're trying to give it to you. All right, without further ado, let's get him on the phone. Let's talk John Roberts. All 
right, Jane Keith back with you, and as promised, our good buddy, John the Baptist, as we like to call him, uh, John Roberts, formerly the Lang Sun Conference, very instrumental in the A-Sun and Ted Gumbart's efforts to get FCS football up and running, and of course they've made waves the last week or so, maybe a little less than that with the possible move to FBS, and so we got a lot of questions, hopefully John's got a lot of answers. John, how you doing? I'm outstanding, Jay. I appreciate it. I've always wanted my own intro music, so I, I appreciate that nice play-in. Let's talk about this. You were there uh, with Ted Gumbard in the dream of getting an FCS football conference. You are, like uh, me and Keith, a huge fan of Division Two, huge fan of uh, 1AA FCS-type football. So just talk about you know, sort of the dream of getting that off and running. I mean, the the dream of FCS football goes back to the, the 1AA days in the A-Sun you know, how much history we, we want to get into, but back before ETSU joined the A-Sun in 2005, two years before that, the A-Sun was on the precipice of 1AA football when UCF and Troy, then Troy State, was were still in the league, along with Gardner-Webb and Jacksonville State in their, their first tour of duty in the A-Sun. Um, and FIU and FAU had fledgling programs uh coming online as well and former commissioner bill bibb ted's predecessor in that chair thought he was going to get it across the finish line and didn't quite happen then and that only delayed the dream uh you know ted worked tirelessly from the time he took the chair in in 2007 on conference membership and football was always a part of that equation as it has to be when your footprint is in the southeastern part of the United States especially, and managed to get that over the finish line just a year ago with the inclusion of Jacksonville State, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and Austin P joining North Alabama and Kennesaw State. You and I have been in this business long enough to know that nothing's ever nothing's ever done in the world of conference membership. Uh, it's a continual conveyor belt of change, and so realignment hit again, obviously, and uh, Ted has a number of gifts and creativity is damn near the top of that list for him. Um, we reached out with to the Western Athletic Conference then the last two years. They've been a cooperative effort to sponsor football and have a bid to the FCS playoffs, which Eastern Kentucky won from the A-Sun side this year. And now with another round of realignment hitting with Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, and Kennesaw State on their way to the FBS level at Conference USA. It was time to look at that picture again and see what the, the next steps were that allow football to continue to be part of the ASUN portfolio after the amount of time and effort that's been expended to get football into the ASUN portfolio. Certainly just letting it pass away quietly wasn't going to be an option. So the next piece of creativity is this move to the the FBS, which legislatively, there's not much of a barrier. The WAC previously sponsored FBS football. So by the legislation in the NCAA rulebook, they can add football back to their portfolio of sports. Every conference turns in a form and February of every year that outlines their membership and the sports that they will be sponsoring for the the coming year. AQs are inclusive of that, but that's a different beast than FBS where AQs aren't a concern. It's just a matter of sports sponsorship. So legislatively from the NCAA side of things, this is 
all easily accomplished as a, a single sport enterprise. Now, what the CFP does with that in terms of their recognition of it is where a bunch of the ambiguity lies, I think. And I do think, John, that that's sort of the big part is the college football playoff and, and the revenue distributions are such an integral part of particularly the, the the ability of group of five teams to to at least tread water financially at that level. And without it, they would be in a world of hurt. So um, how does a new conference purport itself to to wedge into that that conversation and 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 have a seat at the table? Is there a is there any sort of a, a idea or legislative framework in the NCAA, especially when legislation's in flux right now? We're in the process of putting a new constitution together. Division One's got so many things that are uh, in the works with the transformation committee. Um, how can the A Sun put its best foot forward and the WAC as well amidst all of the chaos where the college football playoff really kind of holds all the cards? Well, I think, again, those are two divergent paths because uh, NCAA legislation doesn't conceive of or nor monitor the college football playoff framework. Right. That's, right, right. That is legitimately a totally different enterprise uh, and a cartel set up to run the playoff, but they don't have any legislative triggers so much. So all of that is conceived of and executed within the framework of broadcast rights agreements, et cetera, and the number of conferences there. So from that perspective, the timing is relatively ideal to add a conference to the mix because with the CFP expansion to 12 teams coming now in the 24 season with the the Rose Bowl coming to terms with the CFP <clears throat> to get that done on the accelerated time frame, now the CFP enters into their next round of negotiation with their broadcast partners, right, which also controls the the rest of the bowl system, particularly your non-football sites for your quote-unquote top-tier most prestigious bowls, right, the years that the Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Cotton Bowl, et cetera, aren't part of the final three DFP games because even in the new framework, the first two rounds will now go on campus and you'll still play your semifinals and championship at your bowl sites, which will continue to allow for your highest ranked group of five team to slot into one of those other bowls. That's not in the playoff cycle in a given year. Mm-hmm. Now where they do join is the NCAA still recognizes conferences, right? That's not right. exclusively the province of the CFP. And the point at which the NCAA recognizes the ASUN and WAC as an FBS conference, which legislation can certainly change, but as the legislation is currently written, mm-hmm. uh, there is nothing that prevents the WAC from redeclaring itself as a football-sponsoring league, uh, then that conference becomes part and parcel of the CFP broadcast assets in any of that, any of that negotiation. So you're now splitting the pie by 12 conferences as opposed to 11 but that becomes baked into those broadcast agreements. All right. I, I do. I mean, there is a, a pool of money that's split among the five non-autonomy conferences that, uh, that would have to be split six ways. I guess really what it boils down to I guess, from my perspective, from your knowledge of the institutions and not getting granular about this school or that school, but just the general makeup of this proposed FBS conference 
is this financially viable for these schools without that college football playoff money if they're just negotiating non-CFP bull ties out on their own? I think that is a fantastic question. Certainly, the financial arms race at the upper echelons of college football is seemingly never-ending, and that pot of money does not seem to diminish. So the thinking has always seemingly been that if you play football at that level, the money will follow. It's a build it and they will come philosophy that may or may not be borne out by the facts. Certainly, each of these teams now becomes much more attractive in a by-game scenario as an FBS opponent to the Alabamas, Tennessees, North Carolinas of the world. Being able to play FBS opposition as opposed to FCS on those weeks is better optically and a better benefit as a win against FBS competition as opposed to FCS competition when it comes to bowl eligibility, etc. So even not just those blue bloods, that I named, but your traditionally more middle-tier FBS teams that aren't that will struggle for bowl eligibility more years than others. Your Kentuckys of the world, Texas A&M, apparently nine million dollars be damned. But those are those are better options for these schools. And I mean, I don't I don't think it's necessarily anyone's long-term ambition to be a transitory or transitional conference. But I think there's a far worse place to be in the current landscape and certainly it's a fine place to start as a defined entry point to FBS. The A-Sun has a 45-year history now as being one of the defined entry points to Division One athletics for a number of schools. You can look at the A-Sun's membership history over 45 years um, and the fact that no cohort has ever graduated from an A-Sun school playing the same conference competition their senior year that they played their freshman year. That presents a different challenge in terms of brand building and establishing yourself as a known brand in the A-Sun's case, but it is a fine strategy to exist because there have been, for 45 years, always schools that want to play Division One. And as the CFP pot of money continues to expand and those broadcast deals get bigger and bigger, there are going to be more schools that want access to that pie as well. FCS realignment seems to be close to tapped out, right? There's much less movement from an FCS to FCS level at this point. So if you want to move up from the FCS there's not really a natural home for you at the FBS level. You have to wait until all those dominoes fall, which started with the Texas-Oklahoma move to the SEC two years ago that led to this round of realignment that culminated with Conference USA cherry-picking who they wanted from FCS within that footprint. Those numbers don't exist in a great deal, and they exist far less out west. So, Keith, certainly you spent time up in the North Dakota part of the world. North Dakota State is eventually going to want to go to the FBS level and there's not a natural FBS home for them to move easily into, right? Right. The creation of this asset of this provides just that to get North Carolina State's foot in the door at such times they institutionally want to make that move. So that leads me to a couple things. One, uh, as we're talking with John Roberts, uh, former ETSU employee many years ago, but also worked for the Atlantic Sun Conference for well over a decade and uh, instrumental in helping Atlantic Sun bring FCS football to fruition. Let's ask this because I think you've, you've touched on it, but I think it is the elephant in the room. Right now, there's nothing to say it's going to be blocked. 
But if you allow another conference in and another 10 teams to get a piece of that pie that is growing, that is less pie for everybody else. Now, I know pie. You know I know pie well because I eat a lot. But it seems to me that it's very easy for other schools and teams to want to block that for the simple reason of keeping more money to themselves. I think that's realistically a concern, sure. Again, the counter-argument to it is the additional FBS competition that is provided is not without value, right? Especially in a world which you're moving to super conferences and you're not going to play everyone in your conference, but you are going to play an expanded conference schedule. And so if you're the University of Georgia and instead of playing eight SEC games a year, you're now going to play nine. You're also going to play Georgia Tech every year. That's 10 games against power conference competition. The era of made-for-TV non-conference matchups is going to draw to a close. You're just going to see less and less of them. You simply are because Texas playing at Ohio State in September has much less value in a schedule-building world where you need to display your bona fides to the committee for one out of four spots, right? There are now 12 of those spots as well in the playoff world. And your conference schedule, if you perform in conference and you're one of those power five schools, you're going to be guaranteed one of those 12 spots anyway. Risking that on a non-conference loss is going to become a much rarer risk for programs to take uh, in this world of expanded conferences. So having 10 more FBS opponents to choose from is an attractive option to present to those schools in the power five your group of five is more likely to be worried about the financial impacts of a divided pie but they will also be happier to see fbs ready schools available for them to pick from when the next realignment wheel spins certainly conference usa's first choice perfect choice would not have been to pull FCS schools up who have to go through a transition in order to be bowl eligible, right? Like that's a two-year wait. It's more difficult from a competitive standpoint for those schools. They have to build out their infrastructure to actually be FBS ready because none of them currently are, right? James Madison spent 15 years building their infrastructure, improving their staffing, their stadium, et cetera. So that by the time they left FCS, they were already an FBS program disguised as an FCS one. That's not the case for Jacksonville State, Kennesaw State, even Sam Houston State right now. Whereas if you have an an established FBS conference and schools that have already spent four to five to eight years at the FBS level as part of the ASUN-WAC enterprise, those schools are much more plug-and-play for a Conference USA or a Sun Belt when the hour comes that they need to add to their membership, which, again, is the last 20 years, 30 years, really, of college athletics have taught us anything. It's that that hour will come sooner rather than later. So the last question I got, for, for me at least, is you've already said it, but it's been difficult for the transatlantic, Atlantic Sun, whatever names it's gone over, to keep kind of everybody there. As they start to transition, who's to stop any of these teams from, as conferences are still trying to solidify themselves, snatching a couple of teams up, and then you get torpedoed before you even start? Absolutely nothing. That would and and that and that's the thing I think, and I know Ted and worked for Ted and 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 like Ted played golf with Ted. I think he has always been sort of as you said, you know, a pretty 
free thinker, been creative, trying to figure out how to keep it going. All that being said, like this is definitely the biggest task. And I know he's going to retire soon and it'll be the next man's problem sort of. But I know he wants it to get off the ground and go because it was sort of that vision and everything going. It's interesting just to see how just in a couple of years the A-Sun and and WAC and with you've already said it, but because of the movement a few years ago, there was more movement. And then having teams kind of – join Jacksonville State's a good example they come in second kind of round with the Atlantic Sun they're ready to uh you know FCS and I think you know obviously them Eastern Kentucky Central Arkansas all these other teams want to go FBS I mean it was it was known for a long time they wanted to go was there angst in putting together a league with those teams knowing that was the end goal because I mean again Ted's a smart guy he didn't go in as blindly not knowing that Jacksonville State and East Kentucky and Central Arkansas were going to do that so was the basic plan to go FBS all along no I mean I was I was in those rooms I would not describe it I would not describe that as the basic plan all along uh that was a known option all along it was a potential outcome all along but none of us none of us operate in this sphere with perfect clarity and i'm sure there was some angst from corners of the conference when this was being put together not just for that reason but for any of a number of reasons i mean uh we've already talked about pie at length which we can continue to do by the way i have many thoughts but you know there was angst amongst the leadership as to how the Pie would be split just amongst a stunt members as it relates to the March Madness contract and that expansion because that's a single check that is split based only on your current conference roster of members. But none of, I mean, none of that can really bog down a strategic plan or prevent you from taking the next steps, right? It's been true for years. Again, Jay, you and I have been doing this long enough to know that at least this much is true. Any school is only as loyal to their conference as far as their best option goes, right? So if their current conference is their best option, they're absolutely loyal. But when another potentially better option presents itself, and this is top to bottom, they're going to explore it and they may make that move. If you had told anyone who works in college athletics 10 years ago that USC and UCLA would leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, I don't think anyone would have thought that was remotely a possibility. But that move only illustrates my point, that these schools are all only loyal to themselves and whatever their next best option is. So angst about what could happen if a better option comes along is largely a, a wasted exercise. This is why I don't let my wife out of the house. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh. All right, John. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Always a good talk. Appreciate the candor and the honesty, my man. Uh, anytime, my friend. All right, John Roberts of the A-Sun, or formerly the A-Sun. Not formerly A-Sun. He's no longer working for the A-Sun, so he's formerly with can, A-Sun. Can I ask you yes. why he's called John the Baptist? Uh, so when he interviewed for the job... Uh, this was a clean-cut, suit-tie, you know, man ready to make next step after I think he got his master's from JMU. That's why I knew a lot about JMU. Oh, uh, sure. So he got his master's from there. And as I was reading uh, his bio, his actual undergraduate degree was in religion. Oh. 
which I thought was odd, but we'll fast forward a little bit. He gets the, the job and comes to campus, mm-hmm. I don't know, a month later, and he has literally the Moses beard going. He is in <laughs> um, Birkenstock sandals, cut-off shorts, this ripped T-shirt. Looked like he hadn't showered since we've met him. And his hair is just everywhere. And somebody said, "Some who is this guy? And I said, well, he has a degree in religion. Somebody says, oh, we hired John the Baptist. And then that stuck. It just that, that, That's how it happened. There was literally no spectacular turn other than we remembered he had a degree in religion and he didn't shower for a month. And I'm just kidding. I'm sure he showered. But he um, – he had a. Uh, he's like he me. Just, you he, could grow he got, a beard he, in a month. He got the job, and then he decided, "I'm going to celebrate by following the dead around the country for six months." Yeah, yes, month. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and that's what it was. And he is very much. Uh, uh, and this is his word, so nobody yell at me. A tree hugger. He is. Uh, that is uh, how he's lived his life. If you've ever, if you ever stayed at his house, I recommend staying in a hotel. But I'm just saying, if you ever go there, like there's a lot, lot, lot going on there. So. And then the moon came out, and it was like Jerry willed it. All right, so that's the story of John the Baptist. Moving on, let's go to the thoughts of the actual wax sun and anything you want to uh, wrap up. Um, uh, not really a dispute, but just thoughts. It was a couple things. Yes, I realize it is amazing the amount of research they went to find. I don't want to call it a loophole, but the fact that the whack had it, so it can be at. I, I, again, I don't, I don't know well, enough here, about that. I think here's the the element at play is that um, theoretically, you can say. You're an FBS conference, I think, but it doesn't make a lot of practical sense to just do it because it's expensive. It requires significant um, political capital expenditure as well as financial capital expenditure to just become an FBS conference. If the ASUN and the WAC can do that with relatively minimal effort certainly compared to what you would think would be expected of making that transition um then i think other conferences will look at that and go hey why don't we do that um so i think it'd be very interesting to see how the response of the other non-ncaa bodies plays into whether this is successful yeah i don't know you can just look at somebody and say you know what we're going to go ahead and uh give ourselves 22 extra scholarships and there we go like i Mm -hmm. i feel like there has to be something Binding illegally that you just can't just say, oh, we're going 85 scholarships. Well, you have to receive an invite from a conference or get a waiver, right? That's how Liberty went up. So the idea is if you create a whole new FBS conference and then invite nine FCS schools, then that's a bona fide conference invite and they can all reclassify, I think is how they're going to try to do it. It was interesting because he kept going back to the WAC had already sponsored it. Yes, the old uh, FBS charter. Yeah, so that's what he was going with there. So, again, I, I can't dispute. I don't know enough. That's why we had him on, because I knew there was some missing pieces to it. He did uh, debunk something that I thought was pretty clear that that was the plan all along, and he flat out, no, and and said, I was in the room. No, that was not the original plan. That wasn't what was going. And he did what they always do in ASIN. Yes, we realized teams could leave, but we can't operate on – Will they leave? Might they leave? Like, we just have to operate. And right, so, for sure. all, all makes sense. The only thing was, I thought for sure, that was sort of the original plan was, let's go FCS and let's jump to FBS. Maybe it was going to be a 10-year plan as opposed to maybe the two, three-year, whatever it's been, plan. And so, it just timeline got moved up. But, no, that was not the original plan. So, we'll just have to see. 
how it plays out. Now, all that being said, that was the first part of this kind of football Wednesday episode we've got. The next part, and we're going to basically – I'm going to run down the hallway here as we hit some bump music in just a second. We're going to get Dr. Richard Sander, athletic director at ETSU, at a little inside the dome. People have asked, what about ETSU? Why not us? What's going on? We're being left behind. We're going to ask him all those questions. So we're going to talk to Dr. Richard Sander Mm -hmm. inside the dome. The man in charge. Doc. Doc. I shouldn't have to remind you, I'm a doctor. Goes in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that I want them answered immediately. I'm your huckleberry. It's inside the dome. Did he just call it a dome? Dome, 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 John Roberts of the A-Sun, or at least uh, he was formerly with the A-Sun. He's now not with them, but he was certainly there when they uh, were adding all the teams in the Atlantic Sun or A-Sun football and then uh, with them a little bit while they were talking about moving to FBS. And so he gives his insight on exactly what was going on there, and that has led speculation on Jay and Key shows. We are joined by Dr. Sanders. You heard the bumper. Uh, what Dr. Sanders' thoughts are on the wax sun and the – I'm going to ask two or three questions as in one because it's all similar. Basically, why not us? Why them? Why not us? I, th- I think that was the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know if that was the Eye contact, Jay. Make hey, eye contact God, with the athletic director uh, when you're asking him a question. Sorry, Jay. I was kind of <laughs> – uh, wake up call <laughs> we're having a little trouble here technical trouble um no i mean i think you know the reality of the yay sun whack deal that's been discussed for a long time i think that was one of the uh one of the incentives that um the a sun used to try to um uh substantiate their uh continuation as a conference i think that you know they went out there and i think that was always in their plan was try to move um a sun football to fbs so i think that's why some of the people remain but you know the a sun being basically the transitional uh conference on the east coast is always looking for ways to ensure their uh, ongoing um you know, their ongoing existence. So I think that's one of the things that they did. And so, you know, you saw a lot of those folks jump from Division Two um, into Division One, and now, you know, they're going to jump to um, FBS from FCS, you know, the Kennesaws, the North Alabamas, the Tarletons. You know, those are um, pretty quick transitions from Division Two to um, FCS. Now, you know, I think that was the A-Suns. You know, one of their strategies was to get those guys to commit to the A-Sun with the hope of, you know, an FBS conference eventually materializing. So I think that's their plan. I think it was just a way for them to try to assure themselves of continuation. What it, uh, I guess the, the other part of this, uh, in addition, I mean, obviously there's an aspirational aspect of it, but also there's a financial wherewithal that you kind of, it's kind of un- understood that you have to have to make this sort of jump. Um, and schools have to be willing to front that. You think about James Madison, you know, they have a pretty substantial student fee. They have a lot of money that comes from the general fund of the university that's earmarked for athletics. So they had the money to make the jump. Some of the schools that we're talking about right now don't have the same resources available to them. How do schools decide you know, conference affiliation level, those sorts of things? Uh, how do the how much do the financials play into decisions like that? 
Well, you know, I, I think, you know, what they're thinking is when they go FBS, they'll be able to get guarantee games. It'll provide them, you know, significant money. That that has to be about the, and, and I think they probably, if they could ever get, you know, designation as, a, you know, as an FBS conference, I think there's a little bit of revenue sharing that goes into, you know, all the bull coalition stuff. And so I think that's what they're seeing is, you know, hopefully the increase in revenue will offset the cost you know from what i can you know i think that's the thing we've looked at at etsu will that really do that and i would i i can't see how me personally how that would ever happen i know i've talked to you mentioned jmu of course you know jeff born the ad there is yes. a really good friend of mine and you know wood Seelig, who you know was part of the transition from you know old dominion going right. to you know fcs to fbs so pretty familiar with those programs and how they did it and i just know what their you know what their financial um, situation looks like and it's nowhere close to what we are you know and I think when you look at the cost involved in what it would take to go FBS you know you go just a few things you know you jump from 63 scholarships to 85 that's 22 full scholarships but you know if you're going to add 22 male scholarships you probably better add 22 female scholarships at and least for, for, for us at ETSU if we were going to add 22 female scholarships we'd have to add at least one sport we may have to add two sports so it's not just the scholarships it's all the all the support folks that need to go with it coaching staff for new programs and then all the other things that's involved and I think the one thing that people don't realize is when you make that jump you're also going to have to you know greatly increase the support for you know that program whether it be athletic trainers whether it be strength and conditioning folks whether it be academic support compliance all those things take more money and considerably more money so I don't think that was uh, I'm sure they thought about it I'm not sure you know it's a real realistic um, you know realistic uh, thing for for ETSU and I think the other thing when we look at it when you look at the the thing that has been really good I think from joining the SOCON is the traditional rivalry so you know if somebody like ETSU jumped into that league you could see you know your rivalries uh, I'm not sure anybody would be real excited about playing North Alabama or Tarleton or Central Arkansas or Utah Tech I mean those names don't really I don't think they're very um, resounding exciting for you know the ETSU fan base so you know looked at those things and those are all things and there's plenty of other things too one of the I mean there are requirements to be FBS you know mm -hmm. um, as mandated by the NCAA you have to play at least five home games so if you went into that conference for the home games would be against you know the other conference members right. who you have no rivalry with and then um, you probably would have to add a fifth game which to get somebody to play you'd probably have to buy that game because if you did a home and home in some years you'd only have four home games then you know so I think you'd probably have to buy a game buy an FCS game so that'd probably cost you you know we know what those go for about half a million bucks so um, yeah so I think when you start looking at those sort of things and then you know the 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 other thing that comes into play is you know the NCAA has basically eliminated you know one sport conferences so they will have to get a waiver and you know with the transition committee um, operating right now you know I think it's you know there's a possibility for sure is it is it 
certainty? You know, absolutely not. So, um, and then I, I'm not even sure because some of those are so early in the transition stage, I don't even know what the requirements are to qualify as an actual competing FBS programs. Because, I mean, some of them probably don't even qualify to go to the NCAA basketball tournament yet. <laughs> There are some, I mean, there the, the average attendance requirement is supposed to be 15,000. 15, that's never right. been enforced. Right. Yeah, that's why the Mac plays games on Tuesday nights in front of countless dozens. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that's right. And, you know, just kind of, you know, doing a little background work, probably the least um, resourced FBS conference in the country is the mid-american you know they kind of have a little bit different way of the way they approach things but i can tell you the least resource program in the mac has probably a 10 million dollar budget higher than ours so you know the other thing that people don't realize and you know this is talking to you know wood and jeff you know at old dominion and, and jmu that once you go fbs you kind of have to fall into a, a competitive salary uh, situation with the other fbs program so the coaches are all going to pretty quickly demand significantly more money i know when old dominion went from you know fcs to fbs their salary pool jumped considerably for football coaches you know so being an fbs head coach is compensated a great deal more than being an fcs um, head coach plus the assistants and you know the travel i mean there's a lot of a lot of challenges with going fbs and particularly if you're going to eliminate all your rivals and then think about it, that's a football conference only if etsu went to that conference let's say where would we play the rest of our sports because we know what happened when you didn't play football in the socon didn't that happen here at etsu it, it yeah. Yeah. yes it was yeah. anyway go to the atlantic sun which is where well, uh, yeah. a lot of teams are and and yeah you know and I, I know how our fans you know really were glad to get back into the socon from the atlantic sun because they just didn't feel there were any real rivals uh you know real traditional rivals in the atlantic sun and really didn't appreciate the travel a lot of things you know so that's kind of some of the thought processes that have gone behind where we are looking at that. So, and the one thing you touched on is like buy games. So, yes, we get about round number half million dollars for us to go play the the FBS game. If it's FBS to FBS, it's anywhere from one million to like one point three, depending on who you are, who you play, where you're at, all that good fun stuff. But if you got to turn around and give half a million dollars to somebody else, you're right. in the same boat. Or <laughs> Half million dollars, I don't know, would cover the coaching salary upgrade right. and the scholarships. Involved. Well, you figure 22 scholarships, and I can tell you, you know, we have a, in the past, up until fairly recently, a full scholarship um, out of state for ETSU would be somewhere around forty-two dollars to $43,000 a year. Now, you know, a couple of years ago, ETSU kind of changed their, um, you know, their tuition uh, model for out-of-state students, and now it's about $25,000. So you figure 22 times 25000 I don't know what that number is. It's probably about $600,000 that you're going to have in added scholarships. And then if you have to do women, that's another 600000 And then if you have to add programs. So, you know, pretty soon it starts to get pretty expensive to do that. And are you going to generate enough money from those buy games, you know? And like you said, you may, the differential between an FCS buy game and FBS game you know giving them the benefit of the doubt might be a million bucks is that going to cover the cost of all the expense and i don't know um i i would doubt it i would doubt it pretty significantly so then i mean let's say that the that there is a shortfall these institutions 
then have to cover that themselves? I mean, wh where does so? I guess um, how much confidence do you have to have coming from the institutional side, coming from a president or chancellor or somebody on the administrative side that says, if this doesn't work out, we will bankroll it as much as we need to to fill the gaps to make this stick. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, some boards and some presidents are willing to take that risk, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure, you know, ours is. Uh, I mean, I, I would think for you to be a competitive FBS program, you would probably like I said I mean I think 10 million is the number I think you'd have to find 10 million incremental income and you'd have to you know you'd have to find that basically from you know ticket sales you know the guarantee games um, Marketing, any potential TV contract yeah, yeah. yeah which could be like yeah four hundred fifty thousand dollars at most well you know and I'd be I can't imagine well maybe maybe they would get a terrific tv contract but i'm not sure you know the reality of it is you know that the those those communication companies whether it be you know espn whether it be fox cbs um even some of the new ones amazon whoever i mean they're not going to pay you unless you're going to have pretty big viewership you know and i think you know they'd have to show that they are going to create a lot of you know viewership to generate any significant money um uh, I mean, I've seen that game for years and years in TV. People out there think TV is the, you know, the goose that laid the golden egg, and it is for the Big Ten and the SEC. But when you get down into mid-majors and lower than mid-majors, they're not just throwing money out there, man. they got to get a return on it. So I would really question that. And then, you know, the other thing is, okay, well, we'll qualify for a bowl. Well, these low-level bowls that, you know, the champion of that league would go to would not be anything that would, you know, um, excite too many people. And those things get really costly, too. I mean, right. the, the, those bowls don't just say, okay, we're becoming a bowl. I mean, there's a deal. You have to buy X number of tickets. Right. And, and when you do that, you know, um, they may pay you, you know, $200,000 guarantee, but they're basically mandating that you may sell $400,000 in tickets. So normally you can't do it. You may be in, you know, one of those schools may be playing in, you know, Detroit or in, you know, Bahamas. the Bahamas. Yeah, I mean, Old Dominion went to the Bahamas Bowl one year, and I can tell you, you know, that was pretty costly for them to go because, I mean, there, yeah, some people, some of the fans would love to go to the Bahamas, but not enough to fill the stadium, you know. So here, here I guess would be from Buck fan question. Let's say ETSU is going. Let's just say it's a done deal. They're going to go FBS. Would it be more likely that they would need somebody like the Sun Belt and somebody like Marshall and App State and Georgia Southern to sort of co-sign, lack of a better term, to get ETSU in there, or would it be better if the Southern Conference as a whole said, as a group, we're going to do this and the conference is going to help some to try to get going what would be if the magic ball happened and they went fbs how do you which one do you see playing out more um i would see uh and you know this is just yeah we're just this is no we're just spitballing this is just here. me asking a I, generic question i know the fans would want me to ask you yeah i, I mean I, I would think that probably going to the sun belt would probably uh, I, I just can't imagine seeing the socon doing that maybe and i think i actually have a 
call tomorrow um, uh, with the SOCON. But I just can't imagine VMI and Citadel and, you know, some of the small privates wanting to go FBS. I can't imagine Wofford and Furman and uh, wanting to go FBS. Maybe I could be all wrong. But um, and then, you know, if you went to the Sun Belt, you'd have some pre-established TV contracts. You'd have pre-established bull connections. You'd have some programs that have been pretty successful. So um, that would probably be. And then, you know, there's some pretty traditional rivals there, like you said, with Marshall and and um, Southern, App State Southern. and Georgia Southern. JMU would be, you know. Um, so, you know, that would appear to me to make some sense. Um, but I know what, you know, I know what those programs are investing in their um, annual budgets to, to make that work. And it's a whole lot more than, you know, we we have plus. You know. well, and, and those schools, specifically those four schools, have about twenty to 30,000 people that have attended games for a long time. Yeah. ETSU just getting to where we averaged almost 10,000 yeah. the last couple of years. So still some growing to do there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we clearly, I'm sure we'd have to expand the stadium, you know, which would be, you know, a pretty big one-time, you know, expenditure, I would guess, for us to get to 15,000 seats. We'd probably have to... I, don't, I, I could guess it would probably be a $20 million investment to get to that point because you not only have to add the seats, you have to add all the support facilities with restrooms and the things that you need, and that gets really expensive. You know, I think that was the one thing. When we built the stadium, you know, when we started having, you know, had to really look at the finances of it, um, and the, st the stadium was originally set to, to I mean, created to seat about 10,000 and when we had you know the architects gave us a number of what it was going to cost and then of course that was not even close to what the ultimate bottom line number would have been if we would have continued at that at that time but um, so we had to take out some seats but we also initially had uh, two more buildings in the stadium just for restrooms and support of the facility so those things all got kind of chopped when we had to come up with a realistic number of what we could have actually afford in the stadium so yeah it, it would get pretty costly to expand the stadium let me ask you this doc and this is another hypothetical let's say that this this idea this this scheme that mm -hmm. the whack and the a sun have put together to create this new fbs conference put all their membership in it let's say it works the, the wildest scenario is that it works and these schools have some level of success. It generates additional fan interest. Maybe the, the money is tight, but it works. How much does that change the calculus for schools like ETSU or other big public schools in the FCS about where their conference and, and football classification uh, ultimately need to be? Well, yeah, I guess that could happen. <laughs> um, I'm right I, there with you, but I figure we might as well play out that string. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, it's like anything else. If there's success, then people will try to jump on that and kind of maybe duplicate it, you know, whether they go to that conference or, like you said, maybe the SOCON or, you know, the what other – um, Missouri FCS Valley, Con, Missouri Sky, Valley, Missouri, yeah, I mean, CAA. yeah, the the Colonial, yeah. Would they try to do the same thing? Um, nobody knows where college athletics is going. Is there going to be, you know, 
I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation out there that you know the Power Five is going to uh, look something like it does now, but it may get into actually four conferences. You know, six you know total of sixty teams, and then you have this elaborate playoff system and all that sort of thing. You know, let's be honest. You know. Those Power Five guys are doing what's good for the Power Five. They don't care about anybody else. So, you know, if they see that, you know, something's happening that is in their benefit, that's what's going to happen. You know, they have the power. They got the money. So um, there's a lot of belief that there will be three divisions, one, the Power Five division, and then that next division of the group of five in the upper echelon of FCS. So are you better positioned to be in the lower echelon of FBS or the highest echelon of FCS? I don't know, but I think you'll see some coming together of that somewhere down the line. I, I mean, it. I, I just don't know how you would expect that a school that's spending pick a number of these guys if they can get their budget 25 million can compete against schools that are spending 200 million i mean that's sure. that's just you know crazy to believe that those guys have the same problems the same challenges the same opportunities and i can tell you the power uh, power five guys aren't going to let much money be drained from the dollars that they're getting to help support these other guys you know so um i think you'll just see more and more where most of the monies are going to the Oklahomas, the Texases, the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Southern Cows, the pick whomever, you know what I mean? And so I think to think anything else is pretty naive. So that's Inside the Dome, talking a little FBS, FCS football stuff. Uh, We've been getting a few questions. We're not going to do it today, but uh, turn of the new year, there's some basketball Inside the Dome type questions we'll get to if you're okay with that in January. Sure, I'm I'm fine. You got nothing to do. I don't. Yeah, you know, just I'm, I'm just excited about going to Christmas party tonight. You know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, but we're gonna, we're gonna have a prelude to the uh, coaches show. Coaches and have show. Walk on down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be should good. be fun. Yeah. Yep. I think so. I think everyone will be a little more happy than me, though. That's, a, that's what I'm afraid of. So, yeah. Well, because you're only going to be at the Christmas party for 15 minutes. Yeah, that's about all I got. 15 minutes. Not because I don't like Christmas parties uh, or gatherings or uh, co-workers, but I have to go set up for the coach show and go work the coach Living show. proof of Andy Warhol's statement that everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. You'll show up, you'll make a fashionable exit, and then you'll go do something else. That'd be the only time I'd be fashionable. I'll agree with that. All right, Doc, we appreciate the time. Thanks. Uh, and that's our Inside the Dome. Say what? Oh, you know what time it is. Say, 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 I do. Say what? I, I think you've made that abundantly say clear. What? Oh, sorry. I can't hear you. Uh, What'd well, you say? <laughs> I didn't say, say anything. What? Oh, sorry. Sorry. This is you're, why you're, you you're going full Shorzy on me. Huh? Huh? What? Huh? Who? Huh? Who? What? You you never seen Shorzy? No. You would like Shorzy. How do you know what I like? I I know I've known you for thirteen years. Yeah, that's fair. I'm a simpleton. You probably do know. <laughs> you you would like Shorzy. I think you'd really enjoy it. We'll never lose again. Um. All right. So let's get into say what. Uh, we have a couple of of uh, fun ones. Um. <clears throat> yeah. But but mainly the focus of today's edition of say what. Um. Earlier this week, we lost a titanic figure in college football. Somebody who I think on some level represented the subculture that has developed around college football in that 
Um, he was very eccentric and unafraid to speak from that eccentricity. Uh, Mike Leach, the head football coach at Mississippi State, who had also been a head coach at Texas Tech and Washington State uh, before that, passed away earlier this week at the age of 61. And um, our condolences to his family. And, and I think the best way to remember Leach in an audio format like this is to reflect on some of the unbelievable audio that he gave us over the course of his life in college football. Uh, so I want to start with the one that really, I think, kind of put him on the map for a lot of people. As coaches, we failed to get through to him. As, as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how, uh, how easy it's going to be and how, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of people. Everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game. Well, I, I mean, that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football. And uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them, and uh, the players have to listen. And I, I'm willing to go to uh, fairly amazing lengths to try to make that happen. I don't know if I'll be successful this week or not, but. But, you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. Uh, and if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad. There you go, Mike Leach. That was really the first one. It was the first one that I ever heard where I was just like, wow, this guy's something. This guy, I don't know what he is, but he's something. There, there are a few, very few people mm -hmm. that can get away with saying things <laughs> that at some point you just kind of – shrug and go well that's them being them yes and they get away with it if i were to on air drop anything about somebody's now i'm not a coach but drop anything about someone's significant other yes i don't have a job correct but some people again kind of have that knack because in a weird way there's not malice or is there malice there's not malice toward the individual. He's not talking about a specific individual. He's talking about right. an, an abstract idea of somebody who is um, just unequivocally rah-rah about a player uh, on his team that's like, oh, you're, it's, you know, you're so good. This is going to be so easy. That mean coach, it's his fault if you don't succeed, blah, blah, blah. So you know, that sort of person. I remember that quote. I remember talking to <clears throat> we had a um, female athlete on the network working with me at the time, and she looked at me and she said, "She was like, does he not understand the skinny girls are the crazy ones?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Was that? I think I know who that was. Yeah, you take a guess. Yeah, uh, I, I was gonna say it's Marlena. Oh, it's close. It's no? close. It's close. Start with him as Megan. Megan. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, Marlene. That no. was like right before my time. Oh, but Marlene is a good one, too. She, she's whew, She's got former softball player. Now at legal counsel, actually. Yes. But yes. Uh, and Mar Marlene is fantastic. Wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's that's Mike Leach um, basically railing against support systems in a way that only Mike Leach possibly could. Um, how about we get him railing against something that's essential for most of us to function daily. Well, coffee tastes terrible anyway, so don't put anything in it to obstruct the harsh, bitter taste. And 
just put it down one sip at a time, you know. Was that with Marty? That was with Marty. That was Marty, right? yeah. Marty Smith. Yeah. That was Marty Smith. Yeah, that was, that that one got me fired up as I'm the and in fairness, I drink coffee um, mm-hmm. grainy and black and nothing in it. So you I'm do, with, and it I'm smells with, rancid, and we can smell it in the whole office. Let's just complain. <laughs> yes, it's complain Wednesday. Apparently, let's. Yes, you. that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Um, well, we talk about players' motivation. What if we talk about players' execution and the eccentric ways that the late great Mike Leach. Uh, would would find ways to to challenge his players to go above and beyond. And I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if 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 me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands. You know, because um, you know from a lack of use, those hands just disappear. I mean, and, and maybe it'll be like this, like those dinosaur ends like this are, you see. And, and you know, you got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex who's clearly good at eating things, big old jaws and all that stuff, fairly athletic and run. Well, his hands are like this. And I don't want all of a sudden, you know, guys driving across this country and then they get to Starkville, Mississippi, and all of a sudden there's these athletic-looking, friendly guys, because we have great guys that don't have any hands. And I hope that that's not the case. But that's where we're headed right now, and we're going to try to get that fixed in this off week. Can we talk about the combine breakdown of the T-Rex he gave us there, too? Yes. Runs well, athletic, strong jaw, <laughs> little tiny hands. <laughs> that one was this year, and everyone loved yes. that. Everyone yes, it was. That, that was this one. year. Um, Except man, for his receivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his receivers probably didn't love it too much, but uh, – you know what? He w- that was the that was really the big storyline with that team all year. The big frustration that they had was wide receivers are struggling to catch the football, and we need them to catch the football. And I'm worried that if they they don't use their hands, then their hands will just be naturally selected away. I, <laughs> I'm just imagining that how like those guys, like how much <laughs> do you think he does not like the way you are trying to catch the football <laughs> I mean, i'm just trying to word it well nice you way. also remember the the great moment caught on video where he just walked oh, over to the sideline and started folding up his wide receivers chairs yeah wouldn't let him sit down wouldn't <laughs> let him sit down <laughs> Get the adjustments. he did not he did not have a a, a good time with his receivers this year. no no he did not no no he did not um all right how, how about how about a classic let's go let's go for another classic from mike leach well first of all what kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? Uh, the Bruin, definitely formidable. Um, uh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Um unless we're going to go with the bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. And then um, the duck the duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. Uh, the beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the, uh, the ute, again, we're back to... Uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? 
did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that youth's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. And then, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and you know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. Um, just as far as a beast alone, uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu a buffalo's utterly outstanding. The Pac-12 mascot fight is a legendary Mike Leach quote. I remember how he got on that tangent. They asked him something about – I was trying to remember what that was. They asked him something about – obviously, Arizona State's what started it. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember. It was something about the challenges of taking on the Sunday. Like, it was one of those questions where it was a very innocent, like <laughs> – Coach, your thoughts on on taking on you know taking on the Sun Devil Saturday? And, it's like, and well, we got to see what kind right, of right. mystical powers the Sun Devil has. Right. Yeah. And, and then he just decided, well, let's just don't stop there. <laughs> let's 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 you know, ten times uh, go down on this uh, path and and name every mascot and, and figure out. I was wondering if he's going to forget the beavers. They're always forgettable the beavers, but he he did he did come back to the beavers. But yes, I remember that one was made famous because it it couldn't have been more of a question that led to that yes because it was a nothingness kind of generic beat writer type hey man mm -hmm. tell us about the sun devils or whatever and yeah. he goes into that so there is an entertaining there's a follow-up question that's asked in the middle of this one that might be a little bit difficult to hear but this um this really honestly and i say this earnestly it, it shouldn't have because it, he said it in like 2018 uh and i i should have thought of this way before then but he said this, and it changed the way that I look at football offenses. There's nothing balanced about 50% run, 50% pass, because that's 50% stupid. Now, uh, what, what, uh, what is balanced is when you have five skill positions, if all five of them are contributing to the offensive effort in a somewhat equal fashion, then that's balanced. But this notion that if you hand it to one guy, 50% of the time, and then you throw it to a combination of two guys, the other 50%, that you're really balanced, and you proudly pat yourself on the back uh, uh, and tell yourself that. And people have been doing that for decades. Well, then you're delusional. So, um, uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. I just think stuff over time, just, you know, somebody does it and somebody has success. And I think it, it becomes kind of self-perpetuating, I think, you know, and as they have success. Well, you know, we're balanced, 50% run, 50% pass, you know. And uh, no, there's nothing clever about that. The clever thing is, you know, <clears throat> the wishbone, who I think is a great offense, which I think is a great offense. There's nothing 50% run about the wishbone, you know. They're, they're like 95% run, but everybody touched the ball. That's why it's one of the greatest offenses uh, devised. 50% run, 50% pass is 50% stupid. I have used that many times since he said that four years ago. And I will use it for the rest of my life. Like that is one that I just like it, re, you know, reconsidering what a balanced offense is and what it looks like. It, it completely changes your perspective on whether an offensive team is good or not. Yeah. And even ba balances, you know, is it balanced the amount of runs versus the amount of passes? Does that make it balanced? Because 
a lot of times, like you know, for Randy Sanders, it was like, look, we we want to we want to run for for two hundred and throw for two hundred. Like mm-hmm. you know, if we can get to two twenty five and two twenty five, or two fifty and two fifty, like that that was his mentality. Was more about the yardage um, gain, not necessarily. I'm calling you know because you know, let's be honest, he called sixty five percent runs, um, maybe even seventy percent runs, and when he got Quay Holmes, Jacob Sayers, it made sense. Like go right. to your strengths. Absolutely. Like I, I, you know, I don't know that any. I, it's hard because there's no team I think that really does a true fifty fifty type. Hey, we've got to run. 38 plays run, 38 plays pass, and that's how we get to our thing. Now, sometimes it may end up that way, but a lot of times uh, there's very few teams that are, that are trying to do that. People want to either run, you know, like Urban Meyer's deal, right? They just thought the spread was really about throwing the football, but it was a numbers game. There's enough numbers in the box you throw it. There's not enough numbers in the box you run it. And more games, sometimes they ran 50 times. Sometimes mm-hmm. they threw it, you know, they ran it 20 times. And so he's explained that at nauseum. Um, you know, when he was at Utah, that led him to get to Florida and Ohio State and everything else. And that, that's sort of his deal. You know, Chip Kelly was the same thing. Like, you know, the spread was really about playing fast but getting numbers, advantages. But I, I find that very interesting and very true because I think the one thing that does happen is, like, you hear something, so you repeat it all the time. So Will Little's a guy in Johnson City. Most folks listen to the podcast know he's a major league umpire. Yep. And when he used to play high school baseball, I was a – high school umpire and he would ask me questions and stuff so we ended up talking um at a wedding ironically enough that uh former pitch coach chris gordon got married he was a buddy blah blah i was there so me and him were talking i was like what's the most misconception thing that's just happened over time and mm-hmm. you're he said well tie goes to the runner he goes the word tie is not written into the rule book anywhere right and i said well, what does it say he says well the, it says the ball must beat the runner i said okay ball must beat the runner why do you interpret that? I said, well, ball must beat the runner. I said, well, what if it gets there at the same time? He goes, well, the ball didn't beat the runner. The ball right? didn't beat right, the runner, right. yeah. But, so, you get to, so you get to the whole thing, but he's like, but you hear Little League coaches, and you've been taught that, and you've heard it for 100 years, mm-hmm. tie goes the runner. Well, the, the, I also don't believe there's such a thing as a check swing, like you know, like going around. Like you either swung or you didn't. <laughs> right, right. Right, it's, it's very did absolute. Did you or did you not? It is, it is you did or you did not. But I do find mm-hmm. the – the thing I really liked that he said was, you know, if you're giving one guy the ball, it's not a balanced attack. Right. Agreed. You got Barry Sanders, right? Walter yeah. Payton. You give him the football. You let him run. Yeah. That's not a balanced offense, but, I mean, you, you, you put the ball in the hands of your most effective playmaker as many times as possible or as many times as necessary to win the game. But a balanced offense, and what he's talking about is how many different ways do you get your five skill position guys involved in the game and get them to touch the ball. And when you have one player that the other team can't just key in on or two players that the other team can't key in on and take away, um, then you have a balanced offense. When When the other team has to sacrifice one matchup to get the matchup they want and you can still beat them with that other matchup, you're confident with that other matchup, that's balance. Yeah, that's what balance So North Dakota State charts the number of carries... Mm-hmm. plus the number of completions. And if that gets to 55 or more, right? and I think it's 55, right? 55 or more, then they win as something crazy. It was 90-some percent of the game. That's yep. the, the one thing when we went up there in 2019 for the basketball mm-hmm. game and talking to a few folks on the sideline, 
And I was like, well, what's the winning formula? You know, is it run this, run? And, then, and they gave me that stat. And I brought it back. Mm-hmm. And, hey, Coach Sanders, look at that. And it, he was like, oh, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it. And he started yeah. looking. So it wasn't necessarily yards. It wasn't this. It was the number of carries uh, plus the number of completions. So not attempted right. passes, but you got to get the complete. But anyway. So it's the number of different. plays that hit, essentially. Yeah. Another, the number of plays where you gain positive yardage. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna, we're kind of running a little I guess we're a little tight on time here. Um, uh, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna skip the dating advice one. Oh no, well, let's go that. Come on, y- you you want that one? I mean, yeah, let, let's pay homage to Mike Lee. Absolutely, let's do it. Well, uh, you want someplace casual to begin with because uh, you don't want something real formal in the beginning. So someplace casual, I recommend uh, Kegel Steakhouse, which is very casual. The other thing that's great about it is. Uh, is that there's very little salad there at Kegel, so then the, the, the girl will be forced to eat in front of you, which is something that women hate. But if you can make them do it, the earlier the better, the more that they'll, uh, you know, uh, conversate and let their, you know, let their, uh, uh, show their true self. And then um, I'm a big movie guy. If you want to do it uh, more like I did when I was your age, you can go to the Stars and Stripes Drive-In Theater because that's what they had in Cody, Wyoming. But... Uh, otherwise, uh, uh, you know, the, the movie theater is pretty good, but then you want to end it somewhere like uh, uh, some cool coffee shop type of place where there's bizarre looking characters going in and out so that if the conversation isn't going well, you can, uh, uh, you know, you can reference some of the uh, different characters you see coming and going from the place. And then uh, if, it, if it's a huge night and you're really having a, uh, a good time, then... Uh, uh, you know, you can uh, trade uh, computer uh, schemes and uh, and uh, emails and all that uh, mischief that people are up to on that uh, nowadays, which I know nothing about. I thought it was solid. Very good advice. I mean, it, make them eat early. In its round of, in a roundabout way, yes, it's very good advice. I thought this was very good advice. My future father-in-law did not agree. Don't don't say anything else about it. But as soon as the season's over or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I t- I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. He was talking to Alyssa Lang there, who uh, famously got engaged over the summer um, after years and well, a a long time of uh, trying to manifest a ring as a bit on social media. She finally got the ring, and uh, Mike told her, after the season's over, elope. So my father-in-law actually offered me $10,000 to go elope. Are you serious? I was all for it. Uh, My wife was not. (laughs) I was 100% for it. Let's go elope. Let's get it done. He offered uh, her sister got married after her. Same thing, and neither one of them took it. They took the weddings. They, women, women like the weddings. My fiance and I would absolutely take ten thousand dollars to elope. But he's the, pay, now Mike Leach was paying ten over. My, yeah. Mine was just a flat ten, mm-hmm. which I, I could have did a lot with on the elope, mm-hmm. and and probably a not. Well, we had a great honeymoon. We went over to uh, Europe and Italy and a bunch of that. So I mean, yeah, that's that, awesome. That, yeah, that was fun. But I mean, we could have we could have clearly saved some money. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and. Uh, Yes, I, I, my, my father-in-law wanted to walk my fiance down the aisle, so that's the reason we're having a, a wedding ceremony. Well, me and my wife will have a fight because I will try to pay my daughter to elope, but I know it's not going to happen. So yeah, that's gonna... uh, that's Mike Leach 
uh, tribute, unsay what. We do have a couple more clips. Uh, just wanted to get your reaction to a an historic moment that happened last night. For Jack Mantha, centers in front. Kuznetsov had the shot. Loose and there it is. Eight hundred. <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin has done it. And here come the hats and the team. <laughs> <laughs> You have just witnessed the 800th goal for Alex Ovechkin. Obviously, I didn't see Gordy Howe's 800 goal. No, uh, you I know did I'm not. old, but I'm not that old. But Wayne Gretzky, I do remember that one, and that was a huge um, ordeal. That was also yes. right around the time ESPN had finally gotten into hockey instead of mm-hmm. watching the. Uh, uh, because I famously I've told people I got into hockey because right after the the one hour wrestling that was on Monday on USA Network back then, then it was hockey night in yep. USA, and then I could stay up until one of two things happened: either the end of the first period or the first goal. Yep. So it was always it was kind of here and there. It was like you know, am I going to mm-hmm. see the goal? And that's always exciting. Yep. Or would I be able to stay up longer? You know, they don't score, and it would almost take an hour for the old uh, uh, first period to be played. So. Uh, that being said, I do remember um, kind of still being, and I'm not into hockey as much as I used to be, but I remember when Wayne Gretzky got his 800th and pretty jacked up for that. And mm-hmm. to think it's mm-hmm. taken this long again, especially with the way the game's gone, there's a lot more scoring. They've done a lot more things to open up play and make for it sure. uh, more fun for fans and, and you know watching in, not just in person but on TV as well. I think it's it's hard to believe that it's taken this long to get a third member. He needs one more to to tie Gordy Howe for second most all time. I think if he gets to 50 goals this season, and he's already got 20 in 31 games, if he gets to 50 this year, I think it's game on to catch Gretzky because he'd be at eight. What would that be? Of eight thirty, he'd need 64 goals to catch Gretzky. Yeah, and I misspoke. Actually, was alive when Gordy Howe got his. Uh, now it was three, but yeah, I didn't. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was mid seventies when he got that. It was actually nineteen eighty. So I was alive. Look at me. Oh, look at me. That? How about look that? Look at me. How about, how about that? that? Yeah, let's 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 look at you, shall we? Yeah, it's a good old John the Baptist. Anyway, so he got coined there, and then yes, uh, spent a couple years. And then Jesus Christ got hit in the head with. God, that hurt. Are you okay? Yeah. I thought we were cutting that out. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yes, we did bleep that. I'm sorry. Can you play that again? Sure. I just want to hear it. Yeah. It's a good old John the Baptist. Anyway, so he got coined there and then yes. uh, spent a couple years. And then Jesus Christ got hit in the head with God, that hurt. Are you okay? Yeah. Probably take the out. <laughs> Glad you could laugh about it, Keith. That hurt. I know it. It's happened to me, man. It, like Very, it fell. It fell right in. Uh, well, it fell on my chest, but like, it, like, it didn't fall on my face. It fell on my chest. Very, right, right on top of my head. I did not have. Surprisingly, no, not that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that hurt. That hurt. And the fact we that, need an apparatus to secure that thing. You know, there was a couple times I was looking over at you during the Dr. Sander interview, and I was wondering what you were doing. And now I know what you were doing. You were putting the bleeps in, which I do appreciate that. Oh but. no, I did that this morning. Oh, okay. I did that way before Sander, because I mean we uh, we taped John earlier. We taped John in advance of the rest of the pod. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that hurt. I'll bet. I'm glad it made the show. Um, yeah, me too. Say what? All right, I didn't know I was gonna make it. 
I, you I, did. You cool. did. You made. Can say we what? end on that one? I don't need to. We don't yes, need to we absolutely end on that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I got a headache. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, what do we got coming up? All right. That was our show. I get a little feedback. Which thought about John? Which thought about Doc Sander? Tomorrow, Thursday, we're gonna record all hoops. We're talking ETSU men's and women's basketball results. Wednesday, we're previewing Saturday's games. We're talking hoops, hoops, more hoops, shooty hoops, basketball hoops. And we're going to look at Southern Conference a little bit. There's some things. Now that the non-conference is winding down, maybe take a look at Reseed, Reset, my thoughts on those teams. Maybe get uh, Keith's thoughts as well. But nonetheless, I think we need to spend uh, a whole day working on hoops. And then next week, we'll catch back up on our Football Wednesdays. Uh, back to Portal Watch as we get close to signing day, which actually is that Wednesday. All right, Janky. Bye, everybody. Don't throw your shoes at people. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!